So today we are taking up this theme of letting go of expectations, as Catherine mentioned. <clears throat> and to help us with that, we are going to explore two different stories in Scripture. One in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the first book of the Old Testament, Genesis, and then the other in the Gospel of John. And um, likely uh, they are stories that you have heard before or may be familiar with, um, but let's take a look at these two. In, in both of these passages, um, what we find is someone having an encounter with the holy. In the first one, the one in Genesis, the encounter is initiated by God. God comes to a man named Abram, who becomes Abraham. Uh, and has a surprising announcement for him. In the second one, uh, that encounter is initiated by the human side, by a man named Nicodemus, who comes to have a conversation with Jesus. And it's in the context of that conversation and that passage in John that we hear the verse that was sung by the choir this morning. So listen to these words. You can follow along on the screen if you'd like. I will read first from Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I will curse. All the families of earth will be blessed because of you. Abram left just as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. And then from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it is not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's Spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, how are these things possible? Jesus answered, you are a teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things. I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen but you don't receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? 
No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the human one. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for the people of God, and God's people say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit, and breathe life into the words that I speak that they might carry a word from you into our hearts and lives this morning. Amen. There is a woman who serves as a professor at Duke Divinity School um, whose name is Kate Bowler. Kate is currently in her early 40s. A few of you may be familiar with some of her writing. Um, Kate's life was going along seemingly Uh, quite well and according to plan uh, until in her mid-30s in the year 2015, she got news that totally disrupted her life, the life that she shared with her husband and her small child, because it was that year that Kate was diagnosed with stage four cancer. In the aftermath of that diagnosis, uh, Kate began to wonder what life might look like now. And as she was doing so, there were many well-meaning people who tried to offer her comfort and support and encouragement and said some things along the way that actually were hurtful and were a disconnect with how she was herself experiencing God's presence for her in that time. And so as a result of going through that experience herself and wanting to offer support for others who go through difficult circumstances and also others who may also hear well-intended messages that end up having a different effect than they were intended, Kate wrote a book in the year 2018 entitled, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I Have Loved. In that book, Uh, Kate wrestles with that idea and others that, again, are offered with the very best of intentions, but really don't resonate with the God of love and grace who journeys with us through life. At one point in the book, Kate says this, plans are made, plans come apart, new delights or tragedies pop up in their place, and nothing human or divine will map out this life. This life that has been more painful than I could have imagined, more beautiful than I could have imagined. Notice what Kate does there. A life that is more painful than she could imagine and at the same time more beautiful than she could have imagined. Because everything doesn't happen for a reason, but life does happen. And sometimes the, thing that, the things that happen in life are not the things that we anticipated or the things that we planned on or the things that we wanted. 
Sometimes things in our lives don't go how we anticipate. Sometimes people don't do what we assume. And sometimes, in the midst of it all, God even shows up and comes calling or speaking or whispering and and inviting us into something that catches us by surprise or off guard or worse yet, totally at odds with what we had planned on or counted on. And at the intersection of all of those things, the things that happened that we didn't anticipate, the people that acted in ways or did things that we didn't plan on or assume, and the God who comes and surprises us, life happens at the intersections. And we are left to figure out how we might shift, or if we will shift, from the expectations that we had to some new expression of life as it is now being offered. And we can try to hold doggedly onto the things that we thought were going to be true, even if there is no possible way that they still will be. Or we can release them for something different and perhaps even better. So these two stories this morning Uh, Both invite us to consider this idea of letting go in the midst of expectations that we had for our lives and for our faith and perhaps even for who God is and how God shows up in in our lives. So Abram is a man who prior to the encounter that we read about today, we know very little about. Uh, We know nothing of his character to be, to be honest. Uh, scripture hasn't shared anything about that. And what we do know from a few verses prior to the 12th chapter of Genesis does tell us that he has already experienced a significant amount of upheaval in his life. In just a few verses, we learn that he is one of three brothers, one of whom he has lost to death, that his father has decided to uproot his family and to move them from the land that the only land that Abram has known to a different land where they will now settle and that Abram's wife Sarai is unable to have children. That's a lot. That's quite a bit that Abram has already experienced that didn't go according to what his plan or his expectations likely were for his life. And then at the beginning of chapter 12, God shows up and says to Abram, go, leave everything you know. Leave your land, leave your father, leave the rest of your family, and go. And as if that's not enough, God doesn't tell him where he's calling him to go. He just says, go, and I'll show you where it is when you get there. And then after we hear this message delivered from God to Abram, the response that we hear from Abram is that he says yes. He does exactly what is asked of him. And in that moment, as the listener, we have one of a couple of responses and maybe a little bit of both. We are incredibly inspired by his depth of faith in being willing to respond and say yes. And at the same time, we likely are very humbled 
and perhaps even questioning of how in the world could he possibly do that? I could never respond in that way. There are other stories in Scripture, of course, of people responding with extraordinary faith when expectations change or when they are called to let go of something as they knew it. There are stories across the pages of history as well. Just this past week, I was reminded of one and, and drawn to another in thinking about this idea for this morning. Uh, the first that came to mind for me is, uh, regards the life of a man by the name of Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen is, was a prolific writer. He wrote nearly 40 books on the Christian life, on theology, on pastoral care, um, and, and on doing life in Christian community. And for 20 years, from the mid-60s to the mid-80s, he spent much of his life at what many would have regarded as the pinnacle. Uh, he was a well-known and well-regarded educator and theologian. He was teaching in places like Notre Dame and Yale and Harvard. And people would have looked at his life and the way he was invited to speak and to, to preach in all sorts of settings and think, this man's got it all going. And yet in the mid-80s, something was stirring inside him that disrupted things as they were. And he left all of that behind in order to go live for the next decade of his life, which turned out to be the last decade of his life, in a community called L'Arche. Now, some of you may be familiar with L'Arche communities. They are all over the world, and they are intentional communities where people who are differently abled live together. Some who are disabled in ways that make it impossible for them to care for themselves and their own bodies uh, are matched in houses together with persons who are able to help provide care for them. And so Henry Nowen goes to the Daybreak community in Toronto, Canada, and when he first gets there, he is assigned to care for a young man by the name of Adam, who is wheelchair-bound, who is nonverbal, and who needs assistance with the morning routine to get him ready for coming to the breakfast table and starting his day. And it changes Nowen's life. And in his book entitled Adam, uh, about that journey that he shared with Adam Arnett. Uh, he talks about how Adam taught him more than he could have ever hoped to teach Adam, and that through Adam, he was given a vision of the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. Can you imagine being at the peak of your career, a well-educated professor and well-renowned scholar and abandoning it all to go live in a L'Arche community. And then there's the story of Catherine Drexel, which was a new one for me. Catherine, the daughter of Francis Drexel, who was born in the mid-19th century. Her father, Francis, a wealthy banker. Her mother died when she was just a few weeks old. And when she was in her mid-20s, her father passed away as well, leaving to her and her two sisters uh, an inheritance to be shared, get this, in the late 19th century of $14 million. Now, Catherine, based on the way she had been raised and nurtured uh, by her stepmother, uh, along with her sisters, knew that they wanted to use their inheritance for good. 
And so Catherine began to spend her money uh, particularly focused on caring for marginalized persons and disadvantaged persons, particularly Native Americans and people of color living in the United States. And as she was spending her money to establish schools and missions, uh, she had the opportunity one day to have the audience of the Pope himself. And she talked to the Pope and pleaded with him and said, asked him to please send teachers who could participate in the work of educating these students where she was establishing schools. And the Pope listened to her and then responded and said, Catherine, why don't you become a missionary yourself? And whatever expectations Catherine had for herself before that moment, it all changed. And from that day forward, as well as giving all that she had monetarily to the cause, she gave her entire life and established the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament, established numerous schools, including Xavier University in New Orleans, uh, the first and only historically black university uh, founded by the Catholic Church. Imagine being raised with all of that and then saying, yes, I'll go where you're sending me. Now again, these stories, both in Scripture and beyond, and I'm sure you can think of some that have inspired you along the way, are both inspiring and at the same time perhaps trepidating <laughs> because we think to ourselves, I couldn't possibly do that. And so I find it to be good news that we also have today the story of Nicodemus. Because perhaps his story is a little more relatable for some of us. Nicodemus doesn't jump on board immediately. He doesn't throw himself right away all in to what Jesus is offering. After all, Nicodemus has a lifetime of traditions and assumed beliefs that he has inherited from his people that don't line up with what he has heard people say about Jesus and with what he is seeing right in front of him in the person of Jesus who has showed up to be among them. What he sees in Jesus doesn't fit with his expectations, with what he has been told to believe about Jesus because what he's been told is that this guy is a blasphemer. But in the very first things out of Nicodemus' mouth, while he isn't ready to make a full-on profession of faith, he's curious enough to wonder about who Jesus is. He addresses him as rabbi, a term of reverence for someone who was a teacher in the Jewish tradition. And he says, rabbi, you must be from God. We know this because the things that you do, you couldn't do apart from God. Nick, as I'll call him, is, is curious. He's curious about Jesus, and he wants to know more, but he has questions, which is good news for the rest of us that sometimes have questions and need to have our questions answered before we're ready to take the next steps. And honestly, I think sometimes because he has questions, Nick gets a bad rap in Scripture. A lot of preachers have preached a lot of sermons about how terrible Nick was, First of all, for coming at night, for not being brave enough to, to talk with Jesus out in the open. Well, of course he was afraid. 
He was a member of the religious elite, the ones who were wanting to persecute Jesus. Things would not have gone well for him if the others had seen him out in the open talking with Jesus. And he's still just trying to figure it out. So, of course, he goes to Jesus at night. But he does, in fact, go. Let's give him some credit for that. And when he does, he, he does because there's something about Jesus that's worth paying attention to. Jesus sees him coming. And I imagine Jesus chuckles a little bit to himself But one of the things that I love in this passage that Jesus keeps saying to to Nicodemus is, I assure you, notice that in this passage, three times actually, I assure you, assurance is important, isn't it? We want it, we want to be assured of things. And Jesus keeps saying, I assure you. And Jesus says to him, that he needs a whole new way of seeing things. And that the only way this is going to be possible for him is if he can, if he will choose to be born anew. Now, sometimes that passage gets translated born from above, or maybe the most familiar version of it is born again. And I want to invite you this morning as you hear that passage and that part of the story again to hold on loosely to whatever assumptions, expectations pop up for you about that phrase. For some of you, it is a phrase that, that is one of reverence and deep significance because it calls to mind for you a time in your life when everything changed and you welcomed the presence of Christ into your heart and life and you felt new. For others, hearing that phrase feels like a hammer that has been pounded again and again with judgment over someone who had questions and uncertainties and needed to know more. So hold loosely onto that phrase, and and let's just say that this morning, if we reduce this story to being only about who is in and who is out, or who gets to go to heaven and who doesn't, then we will miss the richness of the conversation that is here for us between Jesus and Nicodemus. But if we listen closely with Nick, we will hear that Jesus is talking about a whole new orientation to life. This isn't primarily a story about what happens in death. It is about what is meant to happen for us and through us in life, that we might begin experiencing everlasting life now. And Jesus says to Nick, if you want to do that, Nick, You're going to have to be born anew, and it's going to happen through the gift of the Spirit. Listen to verse 8 in the third chapter of John again. God's Spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. We don't control the Spirit, my friends. 
And then this curious sentence, it is the same with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Which I think is Jesus' way of saying to Nick and, and to us, hold on loosely enough to what you have assumed to allow the Spirit to blow you into whatever new thing God may be wanting to do in your life and in the lives of others around you. And you know, when we look at Scripture, one of the threads that runs throughout is that God is constantly doing something new. So Jesus says to Nick and to us, don't be so entrenched in your ideas, your beliefs, your assumptions, your expectations, all the things that you thought would go according to plan in your life, all the ways that you thought life would turn out, what you thought your career would be like, how you thought your relationships with your family or some friends would end up, all those things that you've been entrenched in holding on to, hold them loosely enough to be open to the new possibilities that God might be wanting to do now. You know, when we get to the end of the conversation, John doesn't tell us how Nicodemus responds to all that Jesus has to say, which is one of the beautiful things about this story, because it allows it to become our story as well. We are invited to imagine our own conversation with Jesus, to ask our own questions, to be present with Him and wrestle with the questions that disturb us, and then if we're willing to hear Jesus say, you need a whole new way of seeing things. One thing that we can say about Nick is that this is not the last time he shows up in John's gospel. He pops back up again two more times. By the time we see him again in the seventh chapter of John, he has summoned enough courage to speak in defense of Jesus. He's still not ready to make a profession of faith, but he speaks up on Jesus' behalf in front of the very people that Nick is a part of, the religious elite. And at the moment when they are ready to condemn him and send him to the gallows, Nick says, wait a second, aren't we supposed to allow somebody to to speak on behalf of themselves before we judge what will happen? And then when we get to the end of Jesus' life, the 19th chapter of John, Nicodemus must have been there because what we hear is that it is Nicodemus who goes with Joseph of Arimathea and prepares the body of Christ, anointing it with spices so that it might be given its proper burial. The guy who showed up under the cloak of darkness way back when is there to take Jesus to the grave at the end And so I wonder, I wonder if Nicodemus, as he was standing there that day and he saw Jesus' body 
elevated up on the cross, if he remembered the words that Jesus had spoken to him in that conversation, when he said, the human one must be lifted up so that everyone might be able to have life and life abundant. Maybe it was there that Nick was finally able to say, Yes, because he saw that Jesus cared so much about this mission of sharing God's love with the world that he was even willing to die for it. Can you see it? And are you willing to let everything about your life change because of it? May the Spirit blow where it will and lead us into all truth. Amen.